Quinn Ewers getting some extra work in before and after practice. What does that mean for the quarterback battle moving forward? You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. Got a lot of good stuff to get into today. First, we're going to talk about Quinn Ewers getting some extra work in uh, before and after Monday's practice and what that means for the quarterback battle moving forward. Also, some key injuries the Longhorns are dealing with right now. We talk about what that means for the football team and who is most likely to step up in their absence. And then also, freshman left tackle Kelvin Banks, who's been the talk of Longhorn Fall Camp thus far was named a preseason All-American by On3. Um, and so we talk about, you know, Kelvin Banks and that preseason accolade and what he means to this football team if everything pans out. We're going to start with Quinn Ewers, who by all accounts did not have a great scrimmage on Saturday in the Longhorns Fall Camp, their first scrimmage. Now, Sark said the offense could have been better as a whole. And people believe that Hudson Card may have been a little bit better than Quinn Ewers in the scrimmage, but he wasn't great either. And so it was reported by Inside Texas that Quinn Ewers sought some extra help, right? He put in some extra work before and after Monday's practice. He worked with position coach A.J. Milwee, um on getting better and, and trying to fine-tune some things. And I'm not sure if this is something that will last throughout the week um, or something that will continue every day before and after practice or is just something that he felt like he really needed to do after uh, the scrimmage on Saturday and then the off day on Sunday. But I think Quinn Ewers realizes that everything he wants is directly in front of him. We've talked about Quinn Ewers on the podcast before in his time at Ohio State, and things didn't go as well as he would have liked at Ohio State. Whether you feel he had a realistic chance to win the starting job at Ohio State, um, it seems like most Texas fans feel like he doesn't, and most Quinn Ewers detractors feel like he did. I'm going to say he didn't when he arrives a month before the season. And C.J. Stroud, who was talented enough to be a Heisman finalist, had been on campus since the beginning of 2020 before making his first start um, going into the 2021 season. So I think C.J. Stroud just had a leg up naturally. Um, and Quinn Ewers didn't get the chance to start. And then now I think that he's been involved in a quarterback competition with Hudson Card, who many people by this point, felt that he would just surpass Hudson Card off of natural talent alone. Um, a lot of people feel like Hudson Card left a lot to be desired last year in his time, splitting time at the quarterback position with Casey Thompson. And most people saw Quinn Ewers as an upgrade to what Hudson Card brings to this football team in this program. <clears throat> I think that the experiences at Ohio State and now this experience going through this quarterback battle, who many people believed wasn't even a quarterback battle to begin with, we now know it's a real one, <laughs> and I think these two experiences have humbled Quinn Ewers, and he will be better for it. When you look at it, this is a player who's been the best player by far on probably all of his football teams up until he got to Ohio State, and this is one of the most hyped and, and talked about quarterback prospects in the state of Texas in recent memory. And he goes up to Ohio State and essentially ends up holding a clipboard. And now after Saturday's practice with 18 or 17 days, depending on when you're hearing this, until the season, by most accounts, Hudson Card is leading in the quarterback battle. 
And I think that has humbled Quinn to an extent, humbled him enough to say, I need some extra work before and after practice with position coach A.J. Milley. And I think that extra work shows that Quinn knows that he's talented and knows that he can make the all-world type plays. But I think he also knows that he was disappointing in the scrimmage on Saturday, that he has some turnover issues to clean up, some other issues to clean up. And he knows, at least now, if he didn't come into it knowing, he knows now that Sark is not just going to hand him the quarterback job. But I think Quinn Ewers will be better because of that. Because I think he's already the more talented of the two. And I think there's some small tinks, some small issues that are holding him back. But I think he realizes that. He realizes he still has a chance to win this quarterback battle, although less than three weeks until the season starts. And I think you're going to see a motivated, cleaner, and more precise Quinn Ewers on Saturday in the second scrimmage. I also think this second scrimmage will be a lot more important into determining who the starting quarterback is for the season than this first scrimmage was. When you look at the two issues that are plaguing both quarterbacks, when we talk about Hudson Card, it's playing too tight, not playing loose enough, happy feet in the pocket, also struggling to get downfield with the deep ball, connecting with receivers down the field. And when you look at what's plaguing Quinn Ewers thus far, inconsistency with his mechanics, and we know players like him that have been compared to Patrick Mahomes, they're so talented naturally that they can get away with that. Of course, you would like to see perfect mechanics on every rep, but that's not something I'm really worried about with the Quinn Ewers, who just has the natural talent to make every play. He's still learning the playbook. He's a young player, and it's a very complex playbook that Sark is asking these quarterbacks to learn. And I think it's one thing to learn the playbook and to learn the terminology. It's another thing to be able to command the offense, lead the offense, and make sure that everybody is in the right place. And I just don't think that Quinn Ewers is there yet, but I think that's something that is naturally going to develop over time, and I think that it will continue to develop in season. And then the last thing is the turnovers. And and I think that Quinn Ewers has shown – whether it's in the spring game, whether it was in spring practices or now in fall camp, he makes the splash plays. He makes the plays that says, okay, he can take not only the quarterback position, but this team to another level at the University of Texas if he is the starter. But you can't sacrifice two or three splash plays for two or three interceptions every game. Maybe one interception you can live with, a few you can live with in certain games because you're saying he's making the splash plays. But you can't put a quarterback out there who's liable to give up one to two interceptions every game. I think Quinn Ewers issues, the mechanical inconsistency, which he can get away with because of his talent, learning the playbook, which is going to come because he's young, and turnovers, which can come from forcing the ball at times. I think those are all things that can be fixed. And that's why I'm still leaning towards Quinn Ewers being the starter on September 3rd against Louisiana Monroe. Once again, I think that he'll come out and look like he did in the scrimmages in the spring in this next scrimmage on Saturday. I remember on this podcast, after the first scrimmage where, by all accounts, he was the superstar in the spring, a lot of people said he was the best player on the field. And I came on this podcast and said he was going to be the starter. I don't think he's taken a stranglehold of the job since then, which is why we're still talking about this quarterback competition between Hudson Carr and maybe even Hudson Carr being in the lead at this point. But I think two things are going to be big factors in why Steve Sarkeesian has to go with Quinn Ewers. 
I think the first thing is we know how much Sark emphasizes the deep ball in his offense. I said on the podcast a few episodes ago, but Hudson Carr was three for 13 last year on throws 20 plus yards down the field. That's less than 25% completion percentage. That's not going to cut it. And there were so many opportunities that were missed last year, namely with Xavier Worthy streaking down the field where Hudson Card and Casey Thompson missed him and ultimately missed points. I mean, Xavier Worthy is a walking touchdown. And a lot of times it comes down to just putting the ball where it needs to be. And we saw Hudson Card and Casey Thompson both struggle with that last year. I'm going to ask you a question, the viewer or the listener. If it comes down to the last play of the Oklahoma, Alabama, Baylor, Oklahoma State, whoever game, and Xavier Worthy is streaking down the field, open enough to win the game for the Longhorns, who do you trust to put the ball on him more accurately in stride so that he can run in the end zone? Quinn Ewers or Hudson Carr? I'm going with Quinn Ewers on that one. And the last thing I want to say really quickly is that when you look at Quinn Ewers and Hudson Card, being a starting quarterback is about confidence. And I think we saw some issues with Hudson Card last year. Maybe that's because he knew that Casey Thompson was kind of looking over his shoulder. Well, now he has Quinn Ewers looking over his shoulder. I don't want my starting quarterback in a position where he feels like he's one throw away from being replaced. We've already mentioned Hudson Carr playing a little bit too tight. There's no way he can play loose with Quinn Ewers looking over his shoulder. And I think if Hudson Carr goes out there and struggles, because most people already wanted to see Quinn Ewers the starter, Hudson Carr is going to hear that. And there's going to be a lot of pressure from the fan base and a lot of people to put Quinn Ewers in there as the starter. Whereas if Quinn Ewers starts from week one, I can see the fan base, although they want to win games. And if Quinn Ewers struggles at first, they're going to be disappointed. I can see the fan base being more patient with Quinn Ewers. Because whether it's fair or not, most people feel like they've seen everything they've needed to see from Hudson Carr. And I don't want my starting quarterback to be out there one feeling like he's one throw away from being replaced. Because he'll never be able to play loose and give me the type of quarterback play that we need to achieve the type of goals that Texas has this year, even with losing some key injuries, which we'll talk about next. So I think Quinn Ewers proficiency to throw the deep ball, the fact that he plays a little more loose, calm and cool at the position. And the fact that Quinn, I mean, Hudson Carr will constantly be looking over his shoulder this year, if named the starter, knowing that he's potentially one mistake away from Quinn Ewers coming into the game. A la last season with Casey Thompson is the reason that Quinn Ewers needs to earn this starting position over the next 18 to 17 days, but also is the reason I believe Quinn Ewers will be the starter come September 3rd against Louisiana Monroe. Talking about these key injuries Texas has suffered thus far to the football team next and how that will impact them and who should step up in their absence. It can happen so easily. You're out with your friends or coworkers. You're putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. It's time to go, and for a moment, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you're a good driver. You live nearby. You can make it home okay. What are the odds you'll get pulled over? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill someone. It only takes one mistake to change your life or 
someone else's forever. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. Drive sober or get pulled over. So we're talking about some key injuries uh, that were lost as, as far as the Texas football scrimmage on Saturday. And I don't want to sugarcoat it. These are some really big losses when you talk about losing an Isaiah Nayor, uh, losing uh, Junior Angelau for the remainder of the season. Also, when you talk about losing Roshan Johnson, probably for at least a few games. Uh, John Dave Aaron is in the boot. Uh, there's really no timetable for his return. And then you talk about an Alfred Collins who's lost four to six weeks right now. So we're going to talk about these injuries, what they mean for the football team, and who is most likely to step up in their absence. And we're going to start with Isaiah Nayor. This is a player that had 44 catches for 878 yards and 12 touchdowns last year. My favorite stat to go along with that is Wyoming only threw the ball 35% of the time. So if this was if he was in Texas offenses, if he was in Texas's offense last year, he would have had a thousand yards. Basically, that's what you can attribute that to. He was 22 yards away from averaging 20 yards a reception, which is insane. And he was brought in to take the pressure off Xavier Worthy and kind of be that deep threat on the other side, right? A big physical receiver who can win jump balls. But I think um, what they learned since the spring up until his injury was he's one of the best deep threats in the country as well. He just has a natural ability to get deep, um, threaten DBs, run past DBs and make plays. And I think him and Quinn Ewers had outstanding chemistry um, as shown in the orange and white game on that play action uh, post route to Isaiah Neor, which was like a 67 yard touchdown and, What's the play of the game in the orange and white game? And I think that that's a huge loss. Once again, he had 44 catches for 878 yards and 12 touchdowns last year. The three candidates to replace him have a combined four catches for 72 yards in college. And those are all by Ajay Hall, who is currently suspended from team activities. Casey Kane is probably the most likely player to replace him. Um, tall, uh, I believe, what, 6'2", 6'3"-ish. Uh, out of New Orleans. Usually those players from Louisiana have a different type of dog in them. And Casey came from all reports, had a really good spring and has made some plays in the fall um, as well. And I think since Isaiah Nayor went down on Saturday, um, Casey Kane has gotten the majority of the reps at that position. Do I think this is a drop off from Isaiah Nayor? For sure. And it remains to be seen if Casey Kane can come in and give Sark what he had envisioned for this offense going into the season with Isaiah Nayor. How much of that Casey Kane can replace? I do not think he is as fast as Isaiah Nayor. I do not think he is as good as a deep threat as Isaiah Nayor. And I don't think he represents the same problems to a defense opposite of Xavier Worthy that Isaiah Nayor did. But he's a talented receiver who has been making plays since the spring. And I think given the opportunity, he won't be Isaiah Nayor, but I think he can make some plays this year. Troy O'Meary, um, who has dealt with basically two back-to-back season-ending injuries. Um, we know about his big athletic frame. He's not as fast as Isaiah Nayor either, but definitely somebody that can get down the field, um, make tough, you know, contested jump ball catches. And I think as he continues to work his way back from injury, um, get a little bit more comfortable with, with his explosiveness, you know, especially coming off of ACL, I think he's going to challenge for a lot of playing time at that position as well. And I think Ajay Hall, who might be the most talented player at the position, may even be a little more talented than Isaiah Nayor, you know, if you kind of want to just boil it down to that. Once again, he only has four catches for 72 yards in his career, but that's better than O'Meary and Kane who don't have any, right? And 
we heard about the issues at Alabama and, you know, say what you want about a giant hall, say what you want about it being a parking boot. But Sark said that there's been multiple issues that have led to this point. And before he even got to his first, you know, full scrimmage in the fall with Texas, he was suspended from team activities. So it'd be hard. <clears throat> you'd be hard pressed to say that, you know, for sure, going into the season, you can count on a Jai Hall. So Isaiah Nayor is a huge loss at the wide receiver position as a deep threat opposite of Xavier Worthy. We know that Xavier Worthy will still be able to get deep almost whenever he wants because he has that type of speed. Um, he's a hard worker and just route running ability. But you were looking forward to having, you know, deep threats on both sides that continuously challenge safeties and defenses. And I don't know if you have that right now with Isaiah Nayor going down. So it'll be interesting to see um, how, you know, Sark makes up for that loss. I think they have a lot of really talented players in the slot, Jordan Whittington, Tariq Milton, Brennan Thompson, and Savion Red. We're going to have to pick up the slack. Also, the tight end position with Billingsley Helm, uh, Sanders, and even Juan Davis. But you were looking forward to being able to attack um, all areas of the field from all positions on the field. And I think you lost a huge part of that with Isaiah Nayor on Saturday. Talking about Junior Angelau, this is a player that had 34 career starts on the interior offensive line. And I think the move that Kyle Flood had put him at center was really key to having some big dogs in the middle of that offensive line when you look at junior angle first of all 34 career starts in college football that's invaluable right so you're losing one of your most experienced offensive linemen but also he's 6'6 320 that's what he's listed on the roster i think he's a little bit bigger than that weight wise as well jake majors is listed as 6'3 315 I, like i said i think angle is more than five pounds heavier than jake majors but also that three inches in height wise stands out we've seen the type of offensive lineman that Kyle Flood has brought to the 40 in the 2022 and then coming up in the 2023 recruiting class. They're all really big. <laughs> like Cam Williams is like 6'7", 374. He's probably the biggest of the bunch, but we know that Kyle Flood wants 6'4", 6'5", plus if he can, probably 325 to 330 plus on that offensive line if he could. And losing Junior Angelau is a big part of that. Now the silver lining is you put Jake Majors back at center who does have 14 career starts on the offensive line at Texas. Um, I think that your, you know, September 3rd lineup looks like Kelvin Banks at left tackle, um, Hayden Connor at left guard, Jake Majors at center, Cole Hudson at right guard, and then uh, Christian Jones at right tackle. But that also affects the two deep as well, because you talked about Junior Angelo having those 34 career starts um, and, and just having all of that experience, being a big physical mauler in the middle of that offensive line. I think you lose a little bit of that, with this, them wanting this to be a power run team and Junior Angelo, somebody that can move people in the middle of that line. I think that Jake Majors is a little more crafty and a little more technical and still a very viable option. But I think that Kyle Flood loved what he had at Junior Angelo at center. When you look at the two deep behind them, we talk about how much they're going to have to rely on true freshmen. Well, now you're too deep. If anything were to happen is potentially Andre Carriage at left tackle. But you have Malik Ogbo, true freshman at left guard. Uh, Logan Parr, backup center. Devon Campbell, true freshman at backup right guard. And then Cam Williams, true freshman at backup right tackle. So not only do you have two freshman offensive linemen projected to start right now, uh, but you have three that are your backups in case anything happens. So they're going to be relying a lot on this true freshman group going into the season. Whether that's going to be a good thing or a bad thing remains to be seen. I think these are very talented players, but they're true freshmen nonetheless. And that's why losing Junior Angelau um, a player with 34 career starts along that offensive line for the season was a huge loss. Talking about Roshan Johnson really quickly because he will be uh, returning. This is a player that 
had 652 scrimmage yards and five touchdowns last year. But really, I think what means more to this football team than his production on the field, especially when you have a B. John Robinson and a talented running back room like you do, is the leadership that he brings. It's just hard to lead from the sidelines. The best leadership comes by example. And at least for it looks like a few weeks into the season, Roshan Johnson won't be able to do that. I think the most likely candidate to step up in his absence is Jonathan Brooks. I think that Keelan Robinson may be ahead of him on the depth chart and he may be a little bit more explosive. But I look at Jonathan Brooks as that player that's going to take the bulk of the carries. Keelan Robinson may get a little more touches because he's really explosive, led the team um, in yards per carry last year with 7.2 yards per carry. Um, really a player that you just want to get in the open field as much as possible. And I think Sark will be really creative in how he uses him because he's kind of lightning in a bottle. But I think as far as just behind Bijan Robinson, who gets the bulk of the carries, I think it's a Jonathan Brooks. This is a player I love. I talked about him um, a few episodes ago, if not the last episode. He just has a very mature and unique running style that you don't see from running backs typically that young or his age, right? He just has a lot of patience. He reminds me of two running backs uh, I've seen on a kind of macro level, a higher level, Le'Veon Bell, the way he was just able to dance behind the line, never move too fast, let his block set up, and just had the vision uh, to not only go where he wanted to go, but get in and out of holes quickly, get skinny, um, and just be able to consistently move the change. This is a player that averaged 6.8 yards per carry last year, although only on 21 carries. It shows you that he can be explosive, but he's just a technically sound runner as well. Also, Zach Evans, who I watched a lot, you know, playing in the state championship games at North Shore against Duncanville. Um, and he's now transferred to Ole Miss. The start of his career hasn't been what he would have liked for it to be. But one of just the best natural runners I've ever seen in person, um, Zach Evans out of North Shore High School in Houston, who is now at Ole Miss. Um, once again, just a very unique and professional running style at such a young age. I think that's what Jonathan Brooks brings to the table. But we talk about a Jaden Blue, who was once the number one uh, running back in his class, a Jonathan Brooks, and then, of course, B. John Robinson, one of the best playmakers in the country. This running back room is going to be fine. I think what they're going to miss more is the leadership on the team and being able to respond to adversity. And a player like Roshan Johnson does that. He's the type of player that makes sure the room stays even keel, regardless of what's going on, whether you're beating somebody 70 to zero or you're losing, you know, to somebody by multiple touchdowns. Right. And I think losing him, at least for the first couple of weeks of the season, is a big loss. But you still have two of the 10 best offensive players in the country and Xavier Worthy and B. John Robinson. And you have a lot of talented players still at the receiver position, tight end position, running back position. And hopefully uh, Quinn Ewers gets it together and he's your starting quarterback going into the season. So not a lot of concern for this offense, but you did lose some key pieces. And Sark talked about responding to adversity was going to be one of the biggest themes of the year. Well, you know, after your first scrimmage, you dealt with some really big adversity. And so it's time to see how this Texas team will move forward dealing with these injuries. Quick word from our sponsors, and then we're going to talk about Kelvin Banks being named a preseason All-American by On3. So as I've said on this podcast, Kelvin Banks has probably been the story of fall camp thus far. Um, this is a very talented offensive lineman, uh, the top tackle in his class. And a lot of people, you know, were hoping that he could come in and be that starting left tackle from day one. And from everything we've heard, He's progressed towards that. You know, he has a no nonsense mindset. As B. John Robinson said, he tried to joke with him in the weight room and Kelvin Banks wasn't having it. But they also talk about, uh, you know, his nimbleness for his size. He has college ready size, but his length um, and his ability to move. Right. He, he's very nimble. And that's what you want at that left tackle position. But I thought also was key uh, was that they talked about these are the type of players that 
have been lacking at Texas. When you talk about that professional ready size, but also that movement, the length, the nimbleness, um, and the ability to just dominate at the point of attack at the left tackle position. I think that, you know, inside Texas made a good point. They mentioned that's kind of been the difference between us and the Red River rivalry and the Oklahoma games. But also when you look at the Georgias, the Clemsons, the Ohio States, right, the Alabamas that have been at the top of the sport in recent memory, these are the type of prospects they have on the offensive line, specifically at the tackle positions, which are the most important on the offensive line. And I think it's a blessing that now Texas has not only Kelvin Banks, but multiple of these type of prospects that are going to be on campus for at least the next three years at the 40 acres. When I did an episode uh, in May, I believe, where I talked about how I believe Kelvin Banks and uh, Devon Campbell at the least are NFL players. And I think they will be NFL players in three to four years. And I think they've already kind of shown a difference in what has been at the 40 acres in the past and what the future of the offensive line position looks like at the university of Texas. So shout out to Kelvin Banks earning, although it be a preseason honor, a preseason honor, nonetheless. Um, and he looks to be, looks like he will be one of the best left tackles in college football over the next three to four years at the 40 acres. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of long locked on Longhorns, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day, as always hook them.